0: Amen, alright, well you guys know it's coming in a few days And that is the annual holiday called Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. you guys are on the ball And I don't know if you've noticed But uh, it, there seems to be some trends During this time of year And the first trend that I've noticed in 46 years Is Thanksgiving seems to be a time When we get invaded by swamp chickens Have you noticed that Swamp chickens, and I was able to find a picture of one If you don't know what I'm talking about uh, It's actually a wanted poster So just do what it says This is a swamp chicken, as you can clearly see here Alright, let's just deal with the facts, Mike. That's what it is. It's a swamp chicken, so just shoot it and and get it over with, okay? But not only do we have this trend every Thanksgiving to uh, get invaded by swamp chickens, uh, it also seems to be a time when we have another trend. And that trend is we have a tendency to overdo it, you know what I'm saying, when it comes to uh, celebrating and eating and things of that nature. And because I love you, that's right, and I care about you guys, uh, I'm here to help you out. Uh, I want to help you today, and I came across some surefire signs that you might be just starting to overdo it a little bit on Thanksgiving, you know what I'm saying? If this is happening to you, you might want to slow down a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Okay, but how do you know if you're overdoing it? Well, first of all, hundreds of volunteers start stacking sandbags around you, okay? Could be a sign you might need to slow down just a hair. Uh, Here's one, the doctor tells you your weight would be perfect for a guy 17 feet tall, okay? Uh, Could be a sign, maybe you're starting to overdo it, or hey, right this minute you're laughing up pie on the carpet. Okay, knock it off. I mean, we've got enough stains as it is. But, but anyway, hey, with, uh, the world's largest man sends you a telegram warning you to back off. You know what I'm saying? Don't get so competitive, you know, this year. Uh, every escalator you step on immediately grinds to a halt. Okay. Maybe, hey, is anybody, who's in the bowling league? Isn't that the elevator there? <laughs> Either that's what's going on or it turned into the TARDIS and something weird's going on. But it sounds kind of weird. Hey, paramedics bring in the jaws of life to pry you out of the lazy boy. Okay. That could be a sign you're really starting to overdo it. You need to slow down. Hey, that gravy boat your wife set out this year, it's a real 12-foot boat. <laughs> I mean, you're getting into it, but that's a little, a little too much there. Hey, uh, you receive a sumo wrestler application in your email. You know, say join the club, buddy. Uh, could be a sign. Hey, a prick in your finger for cholesterol screening only yields gravy, okay? Freaks the doctor out. John, that's, would that freak you out at the hospital? Yeah, that would do. And probably the biggest sign, folks, got to be this: that rash on your stomach. That turns out to be steering wheel burn. Okay, Uh, that's really what was going on there. You can blame it on uh, bacteria all you want, but that's not the issue. Okay. But as you guys can see, seriously, folks, uh, how many guys would say that we have a tendency, even as Christians, to kind of overdo it when it comes to Thanksgiving? All right, it's bad enough those swamp chicken things, but we overdo it. Okay. Uh, But but to me, one of the biggest things we seem to do, and this is an annual basis that we overdo every single year on Thanksgiving is we go through all this celebration and certainly all this preparation, okay? And we don't even know what in the world Thanksgiving really is all about, okay? To me, that's really overdoing it, okay? So let's remind ourselves this morning, what in the world is the true meaning of Thanksgiving, okay? Let's take a look. Had it not been for the hand of God watching over the little hardy band of pilgrims that washed up on the shores of Massachusetts in 1620, there would never have been a first Thanksgiving, The pilgrims not only came to America for religious liberty, but listen, listen, we forget this one. They were missionaries of Jesus Christ. That's why they came here. Their governor, William Bradford, wrote, quote, They had a great hope and inward zeal of propagating and advancing the gospel of the kingdom of Christ in the remotest parts of the world. That's why they were there. We forget that. And so after enduring storms for 44 days out of 66 day voyage, the weakened and sick passengers finally sighted land on November 9th, 1620 at Cape Cod. And then they turned towards south towards their original destination, which is today's New Jersey shore. Then they were blown into Plymouth Harbor during this blinding snowstorm and began construction on a common house. Okay, and there they would sleep and store their supplies until they were able to start building their own houses. Okay, but with no shelter and immune systems weakened by the rough voyage, they began to get sick. Their colds turned into bronchitis, pneumonia set in, scurvy and other wasting sicknesses ravaged their number. And with no effective medicines, they began to die. In January and February, the deaths reached up to two to three per day. 17 died in February alone. And at one point, there were only five people left well enough to care for the rest. And then towards the end of March, they had lost 47 of their number. And of the 18 wives who had come, only five survived. And to make matters worse, the food that they had brought on the Mayflower was virtually gone. But God's greatest miracle was on its way. On March 16, 1621, a lone Indian walked up to them and said in English, welcome, Englishman. And after the pilgrims recovered from the surprise, they found out that the Indian's name was Samoset and that he lived about 40 miles from there. And then he appeared again with another Indian named Squanto. And he offered his services, which were invaluable. Listen to this. He taught them how to trap eels in the mudflats of the bay. How I many guys would love to eat an eel? Huh? So no complaining over there. It might look like an eel. Especially that nuclear jello stuff but anyway it's not okay so they they, they learn how to trap eels in the mud flats of the bay at which berries were edible uh the which herbs were good for medicine how to trap beaver and that would later become an important source of income for the pilgrims now most important of all squanto taught them how to plant corn and to plant corn the indian way and that was by burying dead fish with the seed uh, to help fertilize the seedlings as they grew he became god's instrument for the rescue And then in October of that year, when the 20 acres, 20 acres of corn the pilgrims had planted under Squanto's tutelage had been harvested, they wanted to hold a celebration, a celebration to God. So they invited the two local Indian tribes and Samoset and Squanto. And listen, they showed up with 90 braves plus women and children. The pilgrims' women's hearts sunk because they knew they were going to have to use up all the corn they just stored up uh, for winter just to feed this crowd of Indians. But their guests had thought of that. They showed up, not empty-handed. They brought five deer, wild turkeys, that's where we get that, and fish from the bay. The festival lasted for three days, complete with, listen, bow and arrow shooting, contests, foot races, and relay races. So apparently football's not out of the equation. Okay? It, and. Seriously. So it was a good and peaceful time for all people together giving thanks to God together for his miraculous provision and protection. Listen, why? Because now, here's the point we missed. Now they were able to continue to share the gospel, which was the primary reason for them coming in the first place. It wasn't just that God made provision. Now they could keep on sharing the gospel. Okay, how many guys were aware of the true meaning of thanksgiving okay a couple of us i think a lot of us unfortunately with our society we've forgotten that and that's why it's called listen a holiday even do a word study on that holiday comes from two words meaning holy day that's where we get that word from and thanksgiving was a time when abraham lincoln set aside in 1863 quote to have a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent father Okay, like the pilgrims and in 1941 congress ruled that the fourth thursday of november would be observed as thanksgiving day and it was a Legal holiday and again, that's the key word there holiday, which literally means holy day Thanksgiving from the inception was to be a holy day where we specifically set aside time as a nation To praise our heavenly father for his miraculous provision so that we can keep on getting busy sharing the gospel That was the true meaning of Thanksgiving. We are to give him thanks and praise and being grateful for that. Because again, his provision to keep taking care of us isn't just a self-centered thing. He takes care of us so that we can get busy doing and fulfilling the task at hand, sharing the gospel. But here's the problem. Not anymore. That's not our mindset this time of year, is it? Any more at all. Okay, here's the problem. What do we do on this day? It seems to be the exact opposite. It seems to have become uh, just like any other day where we whine and complain about everything. We're totally ungrateful. Like this lady, check this out. There was this uh, New York woman and she was at her hairdresser Park Avenue getting her uh, hairstyle prior to this trip to Rome with her husband. And so she mentioned the trip to her hairdresser who responded, Rome, Rome? Why would anybody want to go there? It's crowded, it's dirty. You're crazy to go to Rome. So what do you uh, how are you getting there and so the lady said well we're taking continental uh we got a great rate continental pff, the hairdresser said that's a terrible airline uh, their planes are old they're always late so where are you staying at in rome and she said well we're gonna be at this exclusive little place over rome's left bank the, It's called Testi." she said don't go any further i know that place everybody thinks it's gonna be something special and exclusive but it's really a dump it's the worst hotel in the city the rooms are small the service is rotten and they're overpriced so what are you going to do when you get there? She says, "Well, we're going to go see the Vatican, and we hope to see the Pope." And she goes, ha, 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 "That's rich! You and a million other people are trying to see him. Man, he's going to look like the size of an ant. Boy, good luck on this lousy trip of yours. You're going to need it." Yeah. Well, about a month later, listen. Uh, the woman comes back in again for another hairdo. She's back from her trip, and so her hairdresser asked her about her trip to Rome, and she said, "Oh, it was wonderful." explained the woman. She says, uh, not only were we uh, on time in one of Continental's brand new airplanes, but it was overbooked and they bumped us up to first class and the hotel, it was great. They just finished a, a $5 million remodeling job and now it's the finest hotel in the whole city. In fact, they were overbooked and so they apologized and they gave us the owner's suite at no extra charge. Well, muttered the hairdresser, that's all well and good, but I know you didn't get to see the Pope. And the lady says, well, actually we were quite lucky. Because uh, as we toured the Vatican there, a Swiss guard tapped me on the shoulder and explained that the Pope likes to meet some of the visitors. And if I'd be so kind to step in his private room and wait, the Pope would personally greet me. And sure enough, five minutes later, the Pope walked through the door and he shook my hand and he spoke a few words to me. Oh, really? The hairdresser muttered sarcastically, what did he say? And the lady said, he said, where'd you get that lousy hairdo? (laughs) what she gets for that attitude, okay? Now, folks, I know it's early, but uh, hopefully you get the right answer on this one. That hairdresser had kind of a problem, right? And can anybody guess what that problem was? Whining, complaining, whining, complaining, ungrateful, okay? She wasn't thankful for anything at all. And folks, I'm telling you, if we here at Sunrise are going to celebrate Thanksgiving the right way, the proper way, the true meaning, we have got to get rid of that attitude, We have got to stop this whining and complaining. We have got to get thankful and grateful for all God's doing for us. We just need to look around and appreciate the great things that he's doing. Amen. And believe it or not, folks, did you know you can't fool God? (laughs) Yeah, he knows. Okay, he knows who's really grateful and who's not. And he's going to tell us how he knows uh, in this passage. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 43 through 45. It's our first text here. Luke chapter 6. And uh, we're going to talk about a tree. A really simple a parable, analogy from Jesus. We should get this one. If you uh, plant a watermelon seed, you should get a, a, a fish. No, you're going to get a watermelon seed. All right? And a watermelon's going to come out of there. Uh, you plant some corn, what are you going to get? Corn. corn. Okay, it's pretty common sense. You, you got a tree that's an apple tree, what's it going to produce? Apples, okay? You're not going to get something like a box of wrenches coming out of that. As cool as that would be. It's not going to happen. Okay? And that's what Jesus says. Listen, he knows who's true, who's fake. Okay, you can't fool God. Stalled enough time. Let's take a look at the text. The tree and its fruit is the parable. Luke chapter six, starting with verse 43. Here's what Jesus said. He says, listen, no good tree bears what? Bad fruit. Otherwise, why would it be a good tree? All right, nor does a bad tree bear what? Good fruit. It just ain't gonna happen. He said, each tree is recognized by its own what? Fruit. And he says, listen, and neither do people pick figs from thorn bushes, okay? And you don't pick grapes from? Now, he gets to the analogy. The good man brings good things out of the good that's stored up in what? His heart. Flip it around. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil that's been stored up where? In his heart. Well, how do you know what's in his heart? For out of the overflow of his heart, what gives it away? The old mouth. Turn to somebody and say, hey, watch your mouth. Ooh. Folks, this is obvious. Hello, God is God. Nobody is fooling God when it comes to, oh, I'm so grateful what Jesus has done for me. It's awesome. I can't believe it, what he's done. Every single day, I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful. What did the text say? You can say all you want, that you're thankful and grateful for what God has done, but what comes out of your mouth, listen, in front of God, because he's omnipresent too. He sees it all. That's the deal. And this tells us, Christian, every single day, we have a choice to make. We can either give thanks to God with our mouth or you can be just like the world. You can be ungrateful, you can whine, and you can complain. And whether we realize it or not, whining and complaining all the time, listen, it's not just hypocritical after all God's done for us, right? Especially here in America, come on. It's not just hypocritical. Listen, it produces some serious hard side effects. And the first harmful side effect of not giving God thanks all the time and whining and complaining instead is it's going to shrivel your heart it will destroy your walk with Jesus Christ let me translate that for you and I didn't say that the Bible is very clear about that Proverbs talks about this be careful with your mouth Proverbs chapter 12 verse 25 uh, says this an anxious heart weighs a man man down but a kind word what's that do? something positive coming out of the mouth woo yeah that's what I want to hear it cheers you up right and uh, he goes on. And he says, uh, Proverbs fifteen four: the tongue that brings healing, that's the tree of life. Yes, that's a benefit. But a deceitful tongue, what's that do? The spirit. That will crush a person's spirit. Don't do that. Proverbs seventeen twenty two: a cheerful heart, woo, that's good medicine. Don't you love being around somebody that's cheerful all the time? Yes. Yeah, that's good yeah. stuff, right? Sure beats cable. Okay, and uh, but listen, but a crushed spirit, man, just uh, what's that do to you? Dries up the bone. Dries up the bone. Now not, not not dries up your skin. It dries up your bones. That's how deep it goes. Right? How many guys would say that drying up the bones is bad? <laughs> That's really bad. Okay, here's my point. What did the Bible say causes that to happen? It was your Mouth, your tongue, the words coming out of your mouth. Not a happy, cheerful tongue expressing kind's word. No, that provides healing to the bones. It was a harmful, broken tongue that has no kind words. Okay, and folks, if we're honest, how many guys, again, love hanging out with somebody that all that's coming out of their mouth is just negative, whining, complaining, awesome. Uh. I mean, you said, oh, whoa, I'm sorry to interrupt you on your wonderful train of thought here, but could we, can we just in advance go ahead and calendar i've got to spend every single day of the week with you that's not what we're doing with that person is it what are we doing we're trying to get away from them right why because that kind of talk constantly will dry up your bones you don't want to spend time with that person you want to get away from them right And so here's my point. If we're not careful, a life of constant whining and complaining and not being thankful is going to do the same thing. It's going to suck the spirit. You may not see it right away, but it will suck the spiritual life right out of you. It will suck the spiritual life right out of you. It's going to dry up your bones. And the next thing you know, listen, here's here's the illusion. I've seen this happen so many times. Even though there's tons of great, awesome, positive things going on all around you, you will never see it. You will never see it because you developed this negative attitude. Ungrateful. And guess what? Now it's become a self-fulfilling prophecy, so to speak. Now negative is all you will ever see. Like these two guys. Jim Smith, he went to church service on a Sunday morning. And he heard the organist, listen, miss a note during the prelude. And it made him wince. And then he saw this teenager talking when everybody was supposed to be bowed in silent prayer. And then he, he felt like the usher was watching what he was putting in the offering plate and it made him boil. And then get this, man, if that wasn't bad enough. He caught the preacher making a slip of the tongue five times in the sermon by actual count. And as he slipped out through the side door, door during the closing hymn, he muttered to himself, Never again, what a bunch of clods and hypocrites. Well, get this, Ron Jones, he goes to a church service, uh, Uh, one Sunday morning, he heard the organist play this arrangement of a mighty fortress, and he was thrilled at the majesty of it. And he heard a young girl take a moment in the service to speak how her, uh, a simple moving message of the uh, difference that her faith was making in her life. And he was glad to see that the church uh, was sharing in a special offering uh, for the hungry children in Nigeria. And he especially appreciated the sermon that Sunday uh, because it had answered a question that had been bugging him for a whole long time. And he walked out to the doors of that service and he says, how can a man come here and not feel the presence of God? Now, here's the punchline. Both men went to the exact same church service on the exact same Sunday. Listen, here's the point, folks. Each one of them found exactly what they were looking for. And can I tell you something? I've learned this, folks. It isn't just Sunday mornings. That attitude... It works the same way, not just at church services, it works in any arena of life. And it's a choice. And if you want to get this negative attitude, look at all just whatever is wrong, because there's always wrong, then that's all you will ever see. Or you can be thankful and grateful, open your eyes and see, oh, wow, look what I was missing. There was awesome things going on. Just like those two guys, just like the pilgrims had a choice right? Going through some hard times, but in the midst of it, what'd they say we're going to do? Focus on the positive. We're going to give God thanks. It is a choice. Whining and complaining, listen, did you know, is something we do not have to do. We just move forward with a positive attitude by trusting God. He knows what he's going to do, and he has good plans for you and I. Now, here's my point. The Bible says this. It's not just a theological concept. It's not just a lesson to learn. There's a stinger with it. He said, well, that's a good thing to do. Maybe I'll try that with the potluck today. No, there's a long-term harm unless you turn around from that negative attitude and you turn around fast. Listen, you're not only going to see only the negative side of life, you are going to miss out on the positive. Listen, the scripture says, and the next thing you know, you keep on down that negative road, it's going to shrivel your heart. It will stop you dead in your tracks as a Christian. And even though God's doing amazing, fantastic things all around us, you'll never see it. And you're stuck in this negative loop. All because we got tricked into not being thankful and grateful for what God is doing for us. Amen? The second harmful effect is, listen, it's bad enough that it could shrivel your heart and really stunt your walk with Jesus Christ. But man, unfortunately, uh, it doesn't stay with you. Have you noticed that? It'll start to spread to other people. It's like a deadly infection. And I didn't say that. Uh, Paul did. Okay, this is just one passage talking about this dangerous mouth. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 16 through 17, but steer clear of these unchristian babblings, which in practice lead further and further away from what? Christian living. Stay away from it. Don't go there. Okay. For their teachings are as dangerous as blood poisoning to the body, and they spread like sepsis from a wound. Woo! Yeah! Now, for those of you who may not know, uh, except for John, who's in the medical realm, uh, a sepsis, is a formation of pus. Yeah, Pollock's coming. I'm getting you ready for it. All right? A formation of pus. He was comparing the mouth. How many of you guys would love to kiss a pus mouth? Mmm, man, brush your teeth. Okay. Now, he's using a graphic illustration to warn in the context primarily of false teaching. Don't give an ear to it. Don't give a voice to it, okay? And that's obviously false teaching poisons to the body of Christ, right? Of course, okay? Now, listen, I find it's interesting. The words there, unchristian babblings, literally means this. Vain and useless talk. Worldly, empty chatter. And if you stop and think about it, folks, is that not what whining and complaining and being ungrateful is? It's just vain and useless talk. It's empty chatter. Yeah, 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 blah, blah, blah. But I also think it fits the context of a false teaching. Because when a person is whining and complaining and being ungrateful all the time, what are they doing? In essence, they're attacking the character of God. Are they not saying that God doesn't know what in the world he's doing? Isn't that a false teaching? So I think that that fits the context as well. Okay, They are spewing forth a false teaching saying that God doesn't know what he's doing, and they're whining and complaining. So here's my point. What was this vain, this useless, this empty talk compared to? The pus mouth, right? Oh, I just, just even thinking, that. I love the graphic analogies in the scripture. But that's right, thanks to wiener dog lesson number 421. Hey, get a wiener dog, get spiritual. You need to get a bumper sticker, it says that. Works for me, all right? I came across an even more graphic illustration of that. You guys haven't heard this story. This really happened. One day I was in New York I was, when I was pastoring back there and I got home and a Sunday afternoon and we had this uh, big backyard that the dogs and the kids played in and we had this big back deck that we kind of sit on and stuff like that. So I'm coming home. I come around the driveway in the, into the backyard area and towards the deck and so I'm out there and, and Brandy and the kids are out there uh, playing on the deck and, and, all, and all of a sudden here comes my here comes my, my wiener dogs. <laughs> God. You guys are awesome, man. You have not lived a fulfilled life until you see wiener dogs trying to leap through the grass with their ears flopping, coming towards you like a miniature herd of small miniature cattle. It's just something manly about it. Yeah, I digress. But anyway, so here comes my wiener dogs, right? And it's my my male wiener dog, Sammy. He comes up to me and he's just beaming with pride, right? Well, actually it's more down here. But he's beaming with pride, right? And I can tell, he's going, whoa, what's going on? He's got this carcass in his mouth right you guys have a pet that does that they're so excited it's like yeah i got the big kill right and so that's what sammy was doing he's bringing up this carcass and he's all he's all happy and, and as i look closer uh, uh uh well first of all uh it was a mouse okay now before listen listen yeah i know some of you men out there are going like wiener dog mouse yeah get proud about that listen you got to compare the size now for a wiener dog that's a big kill all right? so you know it was a big kill and uh so uh, you know and i you know he was proud of it and i wasn't gonna embarrass him we guys got to stick together so anyway so i looked closer at this mouse right and i noticed and he's just there he's just doing this thing right and i noticed that the mouse it wasn't just dead it was decomposed it was flat it was crispy which told me listen this thing been dead for a while and i kid you not it dawned on me listen he didn't kill that thing he failed it (laughs) And I wasn't going to tell him, John, I'm still proud of him, you know, yeah, we got to stick together, we men, you know what I'm saying? But anyway, so all this was taking place on the back deck, and Brandon and the kids were there, and, and once they saw Sammy come up with the dead critter in his mouth, there, they began doing the typical thing, get it out, get it out, Ugh, gross, right? and so I did the manly, you know, American dad thing, and I grabbed the uh, mouse out of the, uh, Sammy's mouth, and he was reluctant to give up his big kill and all, but eventually he did, and that's when I noticed uh, it wasn't just crispy, that thing was moving. There were maggots all over that crispy mouth in his mouth. And then a couple of the maggots fell on the deck. And this was when Billy was like three years old or something. And a couple of them, they're, they're on the deck. They're doing this thing. And so Billy starts scooting up to him going, Ooh, Papa, wormies, wormies. I can get back off. Those aren't worms. You know what I'm saying? And so it was, anyway, and so, and then I realized, wait a second. Sammy, our first son, because we had him before we had kids. Our first son. My child, he's got maggots in his mouth, which was soon verified, John, by Sammy actually starting to do this thing with his tongue to get him off. You trying to get maggots out, right? And so that's what I did, what any red-blooded American loving pet owner would do. I turned to Sammy and I said, dude, you're on your own. I ain't not touching those things. You know, hopefully those nature shows are right when they say it's a good source of protein, right? Because I'm not touching that thing. But here's my whole point. That really happened. And God used this as an analogy to teach me about the mouth. Can you imagine biting into something? Mm, 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 And all of a sudden maggots start coming out. Now, please, I have to say this is a disclaimer. This has nothing to do with the potluck coming up here in a second. Okay. (laughs) Although you might want to watch out for that swamp chicken. (laughs) Can you imagine if you actually did bite into something? And all of a sudden, maggots started coming out. What would you do? You'd do exactly what my dog Sammy did. (laughs) Get it off my tongue, right? Now, here's the whole point with this, folks. According to our text, what Paul says there in 2 Timothy, that's a picture of what we are doing, Christian, when we whine and complain and we're ungrateful all the time. These are unchristian babblings. Whether we want to admit it or not, it's like pus. It's like maggots coming out of your mouth. And what's worse is the Bible says it's bad enough that you got a pus mouth or maggots coming out of your mouth. But what did it say? The danger is, listen, it spreads like a poison in the body of Christ. And the next thing you know, listen, everybody's got maggots coming out of their mouth. Yeah, that's pretty gross. Okay. And again, if you're not careful, the Bible says, listen, it's going to cause other people to do the same. Okay, and this is a couple passages from Proverbs. uh, Great passages, Proverbs 21, verse uh, 9 says, Better to live on the corner of a roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. (laughs) Okay, another one says this, Proverbs 19, 13. A foolish son is his father's ruin, and a quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping. (laughs) (laughs) And the single men on the front row are the brave ones today. (laughs) Now listen, I know you guys are out there. You married men. Now, Bobby and Joe, they're single, so you've got to look over their enthusiasm there. But I know you're out there. You're probably sitting there going, you know, Pastor Billy, I've been a, a Christian for 30 some years. You know what I'm saying? To be honest with you, this morning, I've, I've never once in my life, ever once, memorized a verse. But I've got a vision from God today. And I think He wants me to start with those two. I know you're out. No, come on. Let me know. It's, it works for both husband and wife. For men and women, okay? Because men, we could be the, uh, the constant drainer uh, as well. Here's the point. Being around somebody like that, who whines and complains and quarrels, and is ungrateful, blah, always pointing out the negative. Blah, what's it say? Their constant complaining is a constant draining. And again, that's bad enough. But the problem is, if you're not careful, you'll not just get drained. It's going to cause other people to do the same. And that's why the scripture says, hey, shut the, shut the thing off. This is exactly what you do. You apply this verse, Christian. Ephesians 4, 29. Do not Now, notice it's not, it's just like, do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not, what? Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Well, what do you do? You got to talk. Well, good. Talk all the way, but make sure it's this. But only what is helpful, not harmful, helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may what? Shred them apart? No, benefit those who listen. Christian, the Bible says that we Christians should not be tearing each other down. We need to be building each other up. We don't need noise pollution. We need noise edification. We don't need a bunch of whining and complaining. We need to stop the draining, apply that wrench, that verse, and shut it off. Why? Why? Because, listen, that kind of conversation spreads like sepsis from a wound. It's got no place in the body of Christ. And the next thing you know, listen, it will not just poison your walk with Jesus. It'll not just poison your relationships. It'll not just poison your marriage or company. Listen, it will poison your church. Because, again, now everybody's got maggots coming out of their mouth. I don't know about you, but if I was a newcomer and everybody I met there, whether it be at the door or the usher... Or a preacher, when he started preaching, hey, welcome. (laughs) I wouldn't even make it to the preacher. I'd be out the door. We don't see it in the natural. But in the spiritual, that's what's happening. So here's the point as we close. I want to bring it around. What do we do then if we're guilty of this? What do we do if we're guilty of whining, complaining, being ungrateful? Even on Thanksgiving. Okay? Well, number one, I think it's pretty obvious. You need to repent and you need to get right with God. Scripture is clear. Hey, set a guard over my mouth, oh Lord. Don't let anything unwholesome come out of this baby. And if I'm going to have something come out of my mouth, it's going to be something positive to benefit people. Okay? Number one. Number two, you need to check in for an attitude adjustment. Okay? And I really think that a lot of people, even Christians, we get into this mindset and we become these constant complainers and whiners and ungrateful because we've chosen, yes, we've chosen to be a pessimist. Instead of an optimist, okay? There's always optimism when God's on the throne and he's always on the throne. But a pessimist is somebody like this. There was this man who was placed in a monastery and he was given the opportunity to say only two words every five years. So he waited five years, the five years passed. He was called in, allowed to say two words and here's what he said. He said, food bad. (laughs) Five years later, he gets two more words and so he came before the guys and he said this, bed hard. So after 15 years, he finally got two more words and he simply gets up there and he says, I quit. And the bishops responded, we're not surprised. You've been complaining ever since you got here. Right? He's a pessimist. That's all you can come up with after five, come on. But listen, uh, unfortunately, men aren't the only ones. Ladies, you can do it too, like this lady. Uh, There was a a lady who was known as an incurable grumbler, always whining and complaining about everything. And at last, her preacher thought that he had found something about which she should be happy her farm crop was the finest for miles around. And, and when he met her, he said with a beaming smile, he says, you must be very pleased, Mary. Everybody's saying how healthy your potatoes look this year. But in her usual sour manner, she replied, oh uh, yeah, true, they're pretty good. But what am I gonna do when I need bad ones to feed to the pigs? Wow, you can't help that person. It's an attitude. And folks, it boils down to this. Listen, you can either, Christian, complain that rose bushes have thorns or you could be glad that thorn bushes have roses. Attitude. Chuck Swindoll he says the same thing. He said this is one of the most important things we need to be careful of as Christians. He says, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude in life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than the past, more important than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think, say, or do. It is more important than appearance or giftedness or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home, a marriage. The remarkable thing, he says, is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one thing we have, and that is our attitude. Listen to this. He says, I am convinced as a Christian that life is 10% what happens to me, but 90% of how I react to it. And so it is with you, Christian. We are in charge of our attitudes. We just need to check in for an attitude adjustment. Okay? And number three, I think we need to remind ourselves, did you realize, like the pilgrims understood clearly, it's not about us. It's about sharing the gospel. And what I see in the true meaning of Thanksgiving with the pilgrims, is even though they went through all those hard times, there was something bigger going on around them the lost, the Indians. And the last thing that they would want to do is to give this negative, when they're trying to share about the joy of Jesus Christ. And believe it or not, Christian, our attitude can make a break. Somebody coming to Jesus, if you will, in a certain aspect. This true story, there was a Christian baroness living in the highlands of Nairobi, Kenya. And she was told of a young national who was employed uh, uh, to be her houseboy. And after three months, he asked her though, to give him a letter of reference to a friendly Muslim sheik miles away. And with a baroness, she, not wishing that the houseboy to leave, just when he had learned the routine of the household, offered to increase his pay. But the lad replied to her, true story, he was not leaving for higher pay. Rather, he had decided he was either going to become a Christian or a Muslim. And this is why he had come to work for the Christian baroness for three months. He had wished to see how the Christians acted and behaved and spoke. Now he wanted to work for three months for the Muslim sheik to observe the ways of the Muslims. And then he would decide which way of life he would follow. But at this, the Christian baroness was stunned because then all of a sudden it dawned on her her many bouts of complaining and being ungrateful and her many blemishes and dealings with the houseboy. And all she could exclaim was, why didn't you tell me at the beginning? It's too late, isn't it? You blew your opportunity. Folks, I'm here to tell you, we need to recapture the true meaning of Thanksgiving if we're going to make a dent in the lost souls here in Las Vegas. As that lady found out, hello, whining, complaining, and being ungrateful is not the way to go. So let's be like those pilgrims of old who listen met those Indians for the first time and wanted them desperately to see and to hear in their words and their lives the goodness of God by the words coming out of their mouth. Let's get busy celebrating the true meaning of thanksgiving. God provides for us. We're thankful and grateful for that because that means he's now providing for us to get busy, keep on sharing the gospel, praising his name all the way. Amen? Let's get back to that this year. Let's pray. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks.